Welcome on in. Happy Tuesday, January 23rd, everybody. Steve Geller along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, Also, Charlie Long running things on Master Control. Got a bunch to get into. Going to be talking some LSU basketball men and women's coming up in the second break with Chesa Boucher of BR Proud. The Tigers have a matchup. Uh, LSU men at Georgia tomorrow right here on WWL. And then Thursday, a big in for the ladies. Uh, the number one South Carolina Gamecocks coming to the PMAC. So we'll talk to Chessa about all that. And then the 7 o'clock hour, we'll dip into a little bit of tennis talk. Uh, Alexandra Stevenson from the Believe in Serving Aces podcast, former tennis player, will get into a little bit of the Australian Open uh, seeing some of those matchups has, well, it's been, a major, it's has, a major. has been fantastic. Although the problem is, Bobby, a lot of them start like 2, 3 in the morning. Well, uh, yeah. You know, some I, of them are 7, 8 at night I, I can like, handle. Uh, you know, um, you know, you're a sports fan, and I like anything that's considered a major, whether it's golf right, or whether it's tennis, and who's the best of the best, who's in the hunt. And this is the first one of the tennis season that gets underway. But You know, it's crazy how uh, – I don't know. This is a geography lesson, I guess. Uh, how how the world tilts, and how it's so freaking cold. What we've been dealing with, it's so freaking hot in Australia right now. Right, it's like high eighties, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, is there summer? Our winter, you know, southern hemisphere versus northern hemisphere, and then they playing. And they worried about, you know, we can't even fathom that, especially not right. They're overheating, the right? So, yeah, yeah. It's like. Damn, it's so freaking hot, and they worried about uh, whether they can survive that. Uh, so, yeah, that's interesting. I thought it's all on the same planet, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Southern Hemisphere versus Northern Hemisphere, how here we are, uh, blizzards and uh, what's coming about. And them, uh, you know, down in Australia, the Australian Open, the tennis players, uh, they're all dealing with extreme heat and, and what they have to deal with uh, to be hydrated and to compete at a high level. Have some L, uh, Pelicans action tonight as well. They're hosting the Utah Jazz. Uh, Utah always seems to be a thorn in the side for this Pelican squad, so it should be a good matchup. Already the fourth of this season, Utah took the first two in Utah. Uh, the Pelicans won the last game in New Orleans, so hopefully they can even things out this well, season. Well, you got to win at home. Right, exactly. You, you got to win at home. Uh, that's the bottom line because you look, uh, I always uh, said this, uh, what did we do in January? Uh, you have to finish strong in January. It has not been the case. If, if you look at the past two seasons, Steve, uh, the, the, if you look at when you break down every month, you look at October, November, December, January, February, March, and then April, obviously you fo- focus maybe uh, more on November to March. Uh, but January has not been kind to the Pels. 21-22, uh, we were 5-10. and 10. Last year we were 3-13. and 13. Uh, what all said and done, what are we going to be uh, when the month is over, heading into February, as far as uh, the win-loss total? Uh, we, we, we've been hellacious in December. Uh, when you look at it, uh, you know, last year, like, we were 10-5. And, five, and uh, you know, we've always been good in March. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see, because that's going to make or break, or truly think. It's not, uh, what are you going to be seated? What are we going to do in January and February coming up for the Pels? Yeah. Uh, talking about the Pels, we got Jimmy and Gretna on the line. Wanted to chime in about tonight's matchup. Jimmy, you heading to the game? You got a hall pass, brother? What's up? I'm hey. hanging in. What's up, Jimmy? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Jimmy. We got you, dog. All right, dog. Hey, listen. Let me tell you. I don't have a hall pass. I'm gonna watch it on TV. <laughs> but look, 
I'm going to tell you all something. $2 tickets right now for tonight's game. Wow. I don't know if it's because it's foggy or it's going to rain the next couple of days. Probably, do, listen, Tuesday through Thursday, even with the fifth seed, even with us playing good, even with the Saints not doing well and being over, Tuesday through Thursday, Bobby and Steve, you can get good deals. There's a $2 tickets right now. For anybody listening, 45 minutes to tip off, they want to come down to the arena and see NBA. You can see and that's like the prices when Bobby was in his diapers, all right, for <laughs> yes. NBA basketball, all right? No, that, that's tickets. definitely a steal to see the Pels Steve right Maravich, now. Yeah, Superdome Pistol P prices, $2 tickets. It's like the Shoe Town discount. Remember the Shoe Town place? Give you a coupon, Bobby. You know. Yes, yes. But let me Shoe Town. Yeah. Shoe Town, baby. And look, rest in peace. AJ from the parking lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, look, listen, I'm looking at the prices on the women's game. Y'all talking about LSU versus number one South Carolina. Now, that's Thursday a different yeah. story. That's a different story, right, Jimmy? The, the cheapest ticket, the nosebleed tickets are starting around 80 Ooh. All right. Now, the more premier, uh, lower bowl, of course, they're hundreds of dollars. People want to get on TV. Everybody's going to be dressing up like Kim Mulkey, a.k.a. Rick Flair, the SEC Women's Basketball League. Ooh. So, yeah, woo. I mean, look, it's, it's, it's going to be a huge <laughs> test. And, uh, yeah, that's, look, $2 tickets tonight. And you're looking at about 80 to get in, Bobby, if you're going to the PMAC Thursday. But, yeah, man, $2 tickets. You can't beat that. Oh. You look at Friday night's game against in the Pels and Thunder here, it's more expensive. I mean, you could go you could bring a family of four tonight for the price of one ticket Friday night uh, yeah. against the Thunder, Bobby. Well, well, you, you know, Jimmy, you know you got to convince um, you know, cuz you communicate with your wife and you got kids. Oh, they got to wake up to go to school and you might say uh you get, well dad, you never took me to a Pels game. You got to say well, okay, well, son or daughter, whatever, <laughs> you got to suck it up. We're gonna go to the game, but you gotta wake up and go to school. You gotta, uh, you know, uh, if you're gonna hoot with the owls at night, you gotta soar with the eagles in the daytime. You can educate them when they're young. So what you do is, it's like, okay, we might go to a Tuesday or Wednesday night game, and then uh, by the time we get back home and you get settled in and you go to bed, oh, uh, then you can't sleep in, and we're not gonna check in school late. No, you gotta be able to roll, and then uh, then I'm gonna reward you. Uh, because this is where, from a financial standpoint, as a parent, you can expose your kids and get great value. Yeah, and two then, bucks a ticket. Come no, on. No, no. And, and then you're there. Okay, we're going. We want to support the Pels. We're showing up, but don't be whining in the morning when I'm trying to get you up to go to school. No, I know I got to go to work, whatever I have to do. Uh, but, but that's why. Listen, if you're supporting a team that's a winning team and you got the product out there, then uh, I think you could sacrifice now and then. It's like almost if the team's rolling and, and you got a Monday night football game. If the team's rolling and winning, you don't care about uh, uh, you know how much sleep you get Monday night for Tuesday and you got to go to work. No. Now, if the team's not winning, then you don't necessarily want to be in that number. we got to be optimistic where the Pels are at right now, and you want to be in that number middle of the week. Come whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. And like Jimmy was saying, uh, you look at the value – and you, you want to be in the arena, and you want to expose your kids. It's not the G League; it's a freaking <laughs> NBA. Uh, so uh, give them an opportunity to go to actual NBA game 
and there's great value right there, and, and don't uh, put a hurt in your pocketbook. Speaking of hoops, we're going to get into LSU men and women's basketball when we get back from the break. Sports reporter from BRProud.com, Chessie Boucher, joins us right here on WWL. Welcome in, back into Sports Talk. Steve Geller along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Hebert. Happy to welcome in Chessie Boucher, who's a sports reporter for BRProud.com. Going to tell us a little more about some LSU hoops going on. Chessa, how you been? I'm great. How are y'all? Hanging in there, the Tigers, the men's team has an action tomorrow on the road playing at Georgia. A tough matchup always in the SEC. Uh, how do you feel about this Tiger squad who's shown a lot this season, I feel like, already going against into Bulldogs country? Yeah, I'll be real honest. In the preseason with not having a true point guard, with Jalen Cook not able to play, I was a little worried and concerned that they were going to have another season like they did last year. But I think with him coming in and now he's eligible to play and what he's been able to do and produce, I like where they are. I think they have kind of found their identity. They use defense to turn it into offense. And I think if they can just learn to play more um, more togetherness, I guess, and have more of a offensive rotation and figure out what they really need to hone in on and whoever they end up facing is going to be key for LSU with Matt McMahon, who's always talked about the defensive end last year. That was not – really a thing but this year they've really honed in and have been able to force shields and really turn it into points so I like what they've done so far this season now uh Chess with that being said uh look when you think they're gonna win they didn't win and then all of a sudden oh maybe we can uh win back to back uh that being against Texas A&M Aggies you know won that first game I was surprised there but then the next game uh, to me was all about rebounding and, uh, and uh, you know, whether it's offensive rebounds or how you uh, – to me, that's a mindset. Uh, you know, you almost have to want to rebound. Uh, now, uh, is that sexy? Probably not. Uh, but you got to want to rebound. Is that your take when you look at what occurred uh, the first game against A&M and the second game? Uh, I want you to comment on that. Then also comment on uh, – let me tell you, uh, playing the Georgia Bulldogs, that's one game I'll watch. Uh, from beginning to end, uh, Tennessee was fortunate. Uh, they've always been fourth or fifth ranked, uh, the best amongst the SEC when they beat Georgia. Uh, but uh, and, and I'm looking at Georgia right now. Uh, they were 105-96 loser to Kentucky on Saturday, uh, but they're 13-5 uh, right now in the season under second-year coach Mike White. So uh, I, I, I'm just being honest. I think I'd, I'd be surprised if they beat Georgia but what occurred against A&M, to me, it was like you're right there. But uh, I look at that one factor, uh, the, the lack of rebounding in, in critical times. Yeah, I think defensive rebounding is big, too. I think what you've seen from LSU this year, that they've really gone head-to-head, especially with the defensive glass and what they've been able to do on the boards. And so I think that's a huge factor. I think what you saw in the A&M game, they had opportunities down the stretch. You had over – I think it was like 2.30 left in the ball game, and they just couldn't buy a basket to save their life. And I think when you go on spurts like that, especially at the end of the ball game when it matters, you need to really be able to put, you know, the ball through the hoop as easy as that sounds. They just couldn't get it done. I think when you face a Mike White team, you know, he was at Louisiana Tech, then was at Florida, and then ended up taking over the program there at Georgia. You're going to face another team who does a lot with the – when it comes to rebounding, and they also know how to score the basketball. But as we've seen, defense travels, and LSU hangs their hat on defense, so I'd rather – 
put that up against a, a Georgia team and a Mike White team than as opposed to an A&M team that they want to play dirty and gritty and make it ugly and really make you struggle. And so I think it's a better matchup for LSU on the road. But like we, we have seen in the SEC, it's hard to win on the road. But if they could get this win, it would be huge for this basketball team. Just to be honest, to have four wins in the SEC after just a year ago only having two wins in the SEC. That LSU men's basketball game at Georgia. It's a 5.30 start right here on WWL in the Odyssey app tomorrow. Meanwhile, Thursday is the big in. Uh, set number one, South Carolina coming to the Maravich Center to take on LSU uh, women's basketball team. And man, oh man, Chess, I'm seeing uh, ticket prices for the PMAC are out of control. Bruh, it is <laughs> I had to buy tickets for my mom and stepdad, and I told Sherry, my mom, I was like, uh, you might not be getting a whole lot for Mother's Day after this one, so <laughs> you better enjoy it. <laughs> well, and, and, uh, you know, when you think about it, um, it does matter when you win and you look at college game day and, and how they view South Carolina uh, uh, women's basketball and what LSU. Uh, but uh, you know what, if you could tell me right now, now, obviously, you want to win all the games you play. But if you could tell me that LSU will play uh, tough and they'll be right there, uh, they might not come out on top, uh, very similar to what happened last year. Now, uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes beat South Carolina, so you didn't have to play them. But it's all about the postseason. Uh, you know both teams are going to be relevant in the postseason. So if you could tell me right now, it might not work out uh, come Thursday night. But we're going to take care of business, uh, you know, come March. Uh, then I'd be all for that because, really, if you look at from a national perspective, not only SEC, and uh, uh, really, uh, you look at LSU, uh, I mean, uh, SEC women's basketball, it's been South Carolina or LSU in the top 10. And you look at all the other teams, but South Carolina has been uh, beast mode. Uh, when you look where they're at. So, I, I, I mean, you might not agree with this, Chester, but I think it'd be a monumental upset if LSU beat South Carolina. Absolutely. I think it'd be huge. I think it really sets the tone. But I'll be honest, I know everybody wants to win every ball game and you want to go undefeated and you want to win a national championship with no losses. But LSU coming off the loss at Auburn, I think, was a game changer and in a good way. I think they kind of had a wake-up call of like, all heck, we started out this season with a loss against number 20 Colorado, and they really kind of got it together. But I think they were, I don't want to say coasting, but it seemed like they were relying a lot on their offense. And I think when they went to Auburn and they weren't hitting the shots that they normally do and they ended up losing by five on the road, I think it was one of those momentum swings for LSU. Either you can go one way or the other, and they responded against Alabama on the road especially defensively, and then the show that they put it on against Arkansas Sunday in the PMAC, it was one of those games of they're really coming together, playing well, and I think Haley Van Lip yes. really turned the corner. She looked comfortable, she looked confident, and she was running that offense, something that we haven't really seen her do this year, and I think it came at the right time, especially with that essentially a warm-up game against Arkansas to face South Carolina. You know, uh, Chester, that's exactly uh, the direction I was going. You know, here you got Haley uh, Van Lith. Uh, she leaves Louisville and scoring. Uh, she was scoring 20, 25 points a game. And then she comes to LSU. And then she has to transition to point guard. I'm looking in three seasons at Louisville. She had scored at least 20 points in 31 games. 
and she took 18 shots on 17 occasions. Well, she finally got up 18 shots uh, against Arkansas, which was uh, her best performance. You know, she's had an up-and-down season. So I think, uh, you know, kind of clicking at the right time. She had, what, 20 points, six assists, five rebounds, a pair of blocks, only one turnover. I think that is important. A very convincing win against the Razorbacks, 99-68. So uh, I know Coach Mulkey uh, likes to see where Haley Van Litt is. Now, how do you uh, how do you grow upon this or take that next step? Uh, but uh, th- th- that's something that I'm encouraged by, considering what you did the last game, and uh, we all know what you did at Louisville. So it might have been uh, rough to this point, uh, but you got to be encouraged going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't realize the transition from point guard to shooting guard, a pure shooting guard like Haley was at Louisville. It's hard, and anytime you go from you're the main contributor offensively and you're putting up a lot of shots and then you go to run an offense, it's a different mindset. And I think we saw that from Alexis Morris last year when she came to LSU and she struggled the first half of the season of trying to figure out her real role with LSU. And it got to the point where she even didn't take some wide open looks and Kim pulled her aside and was like, hey, we need you to score, but you're also leading this offense. And she finally came into her own. And I think that's what Haley Van Lip's doing here because it's hard to play point guard for Kim Mulkey. Kim Mulkey is the general. She likes to run it. And when you're a true point guard, either you're, you've are you been doing it or you try to learn that position. It's different. It's very different. And I know a lot of people that don't play that position, they don't really understand it. I did the same thing. I played both point guard and shooting guard. And it's just a different mindset. But I think Haley's really coming to her own. She's confident. And I think it's a great – um, the great, it's the best timing, in my opinion, of knowing that she had missed four games earlier in the season because of plantar fasciitis, so she wasn't exactly in game shape. And I think we've just seen her all around play her best game. And I think it'll, you know, she'll stay on that path, especially facing a South Carolina team. It's going to be tough, but she'll definitely be challenged. Jessa, yeah, what for you exactly going into this Thursday matchup against a 17-0 South Carolina squad? What's going to be for this LSU team to try and take them down and hand the Gamecocks their first loss of the year? I think it's all about starting fast. LSU had started a few games fast, but then had a few slow starts. And I think as long as you start fast, you need to win um, the glass. If you can win the battle of the boards against South Carolina, they're, they're the number one rebounding team in the country, and they know how to play defense, and so I think if you can win the battle in the glass, start out fast, and be smart with the basketball, don't turn it over, I think you have a chance. LSU likes to go to the free-throw line a lot, so why not get it inside and try to get them into foul trouble, especially with Camilla Cardosa, the big six-seven post player, get her in foul trouble, and then kind of run the floor with who you have out there. I think the bench as well, you're going to have to have one or two girls step up because – South Carolina is deep. They've got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of depth, and you got to be able to, you know, go head-to-head with them and know that you have one or two girls coming off the bench who can step up as well. Always appreciate that hoops knowledge, Chessa. Thank you so much for the time today. 
Absolutely, guys. Y'all have a good one. All right, Chesa. Chesa Boucher, sports reporter for BRProud.com. You can check out all her work there. We're going to take a break, come back, talk a little about the Pelicans-Utah Jazz matchup. matchup. Here's some sound from coach and players as we get ready for that tip-off. 7 o'clock in the Smoothie King Center. Well, well it's Steve, we got to go to – we can't leave the callers hanging. We'll come get on. to the callers, too, okay. of course. All right. Okay. Back with more right here on WWL. Pels against the Utah Jazz tipping off 7 o'clock in the Smoothie King Center. Getting ready for that before we get into some audio before the matchup. Want to get into our Oakland Heart Jewelers talking text line. Rick Indestrahan want to talk about Saints offensive coordinator search and has a name in mind, Cajun Cannon. What you got for us, Rick? Hey, Bobby, you reckon uh, Ms. Benson's got enough money to hire Joe Brady back? Well, uh, uh, okay, but wait, but but you you have to look at it. Um, So you have to look at it as a promotion or it's a lateral move. Money talks. Don't make a damn what you call him. Yeah, 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 but but, 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 um, I think Mickey Loomis would control more uh, and Dennis Lauscher more than Ms. Gale where they would pay Joe Brady. Now, the thing is, uh, I think why would Joe Brady uh, want to leave Josh Allen and go coach Derek Carr? I can't fault him for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, that's the only thing I look at. Like hey, when you look at that, it in the future. Step, yeah. That part's a step down. Yeah, yeah. But, but like, you, know, but, 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 but like you said, year, the money talks, Rick. I agree with that. We got another year of what we just went through this past year. Because I, he didn't I, fix the total problem. I, Dennis Allen should be gone. Well, Rick, he's not going to be gone. And uh, listen, uh, the, uh, I'm the founding father of the Houdat Nation. Rick's a part of the Houdat Nation from Destrahan. But I'm telling you right now, some people might be mad at me. But Everyone's until, mad at you. Uh, uh, until I am convinced that things will be different. You wouldn't believe the people that stopped me. Oh, Bobby, what do you think about next season? It's like, oh, who are we going to draft? What about next season? I think it's going to be the same song and dance. We're not going to be uh, uh, bad enough. We're not going to be good enough. Rick, I think that we're going to be 9-8 uh, and eight and 8-9 eight and nine again. Until proven, uh, until you prove me wrong, right. I am not going to go out on a limb. Oh, because it's not... Listen, look at the Packers game. All of a sudden, we got, we're winning 17 to 0 with 12 minutes left and we lost. Then all of a sudden, doesn't it sound a lot better? 10 and 7 versus 9 and 8. Look what Tampa Bay was able to accomplish. And listen, okay, look at Tampa Bay. Did they uh, 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 crawl in a hole and feel sorry for themselves after the Saints whooped them? We went to Tampa Bay and we whooped them. They beat Carolina 9 nothing. <laughs> Didn't Tampa Bay show up in the postseason? I would say they showed up. They represented at a high level. Now, ultimately, they're not going to the Super Bowl or the NFC Championship. But you look at Bay- Baker Mayfield and the Bucks. He, they, he's got a paycheck coming. They whooped the Eagles, and they had a fighting chance for sure against the Lions on for the sure. road. Right. And it wasn't that long ago that the Saints whooped them. <laughs> so I'm telling you. We are so close, but then so far. I, I'm telling you, until proven differently, uh, no, the Saints are not going to suck. I'm telling you right now, there's no way the Saints don't have success. And what I mean by that, they're at least middle of the pack. Well, hell, A. Bear, I don't want to hear that. But a lot of NFL teams are like that. 
We're not on the level of the 49ers, Ravens. You look who's the best of the best. I think, again, uh, I, I, I would be shocked if we don't win at least eight games next year. You might say, well, Abraham, we went 7-10 and 10 the year before. Okay, well, I would say 7-10. and 10. It ain't going to be no, like, four-win season or something like that. I think we're going to be 8-9, and 9-8, nine, nine and eight, and if we win double digits, that's land you up. You think it's going to be also— If we get the 10 wins, that, that, that's land you up. Then all of a sudden, uh, maybe it could all of a sudden not shock the world, but um, it's one game of what's going to happen. There's no reason— Okay, when you look at Dan Campbell, he got hired three seasons ago. You know what his first season, uh, but they, they won three games. Right. Look where they're at right now. The Saints could do that. But do you think realistically, now I'm not talking about the point spread. You, you, you could take the seven points and take the lines. But do you, uh, uh, the, the only feel-good pick uh, uh, in the final four is the Lions, the Detroit Lions. They ain't no damn 49ers. They ain't no Baltimore Ravens, Kansas City Chiefs. They were expected to be here. Right. Now, not so much the Lions, but look where the Lions are at. Can the Saints maybe do that? I don't know. Uh, they might. Uh, shock me. Please shock me. Do you think I the Tampa Bay Buccaneers me. are going to still be in that mix for the division again next year? It's hard not to think right now. Oh, until uh, proven differently. Right. Why not? Uh, no, I'm saying right now uh, where Carolina's at, uh, you know, I always tell you this, the NFC South, uh, that, 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 that six games. You got to, if you realistic, you got to go four and two. You say, oh, we got to go six and oh, that's not realistic. You got to go four and two. Uh, what's better is five and one, but you can't go 500. You got to be four and two, at least five and one. Right now where Carolina's at, come on, we got to sweep Carolina Panthers again. Now, do you split with Atlanta and you split with Tampa Bay like we did this year? I think it was the other games. Uh, that, that when you look at it, uh, I, I think we're outstanding. Uh, I, I look at two games. Uh, can we have more of that? Uh, I don't know if we can uh, because the Patriots were dysfunctional offensively. How we shut out the Patriots and the Colts on the road. Mm, that was about as good as it gets. And how the Saints finished the season. And, and 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 how we took care of business. So there is positives to build up. Oh, I'm being without a doubt. I'm seeing sunshines and rainbows here a little bit. No, uh, without a doubt, it ain't much difference. I'm telling you, nine and eight, and all of a sudden, Abraham, I thought you said they were going to be around 500 again. We won 11 games. There ain't much difference. I'm telling you. Hmm. Now, what are you going to do in the postseason? Look at Tampa Bay. To me. If we could do next year, that was a successful season for Tampa. Hell, Absolutely. What? Hell yeah, that's why Todd Bowles is still there. Right. He ain't going nowhere. Think about if the Saints would do this. You win the NFC South. We did that from 17 to 20. Uh, you win the NFC South, you host a playoff game, and you win. And then you're in the final four in the NFC. Now, now uh, they had a chance to beat the Lions. They didn't do it. If we do that, I, I can tell you right now, now, uh, Mickey Loomis and the Saints organization might not want me to say this, if we would do what Tampa Bay did, did, did this year, and then, look, you're not winning a championship. You're not even representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. But, you know, if you did that over the next decade, there ain't no damn changes being made. You know why? Well, well what are you talking about? You're a competitive team. You're a competitive team. You're supporting a winner. Right. Now, that doesn't mean you're winning a championship. It's hard to win a championship. But I no, guarantee you. a lot you, to go right, yeah. Right now, 
what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have done, Steve, that, that, that that's a, a lot uh, harder than you think. And, and, you know, we did that from 17 to 20. But when you, when you look at Tampa Bay, where they're at, and, uh, again, I probably this is the third time I'm saying this on the radio. And if the Saints did this, ain't nobody getting fired. Uh, they would be here. Uh, I might be an old man, and uh, it's about time you get off the radio. Or the, you're gone pecan. I tell you, if they do this, ain't nothing changing. The Buccaneers are the only NFC team in the playoffs for four straight years. Okay, 49ers, Eagles, whoever you think, NFC. The Buccaneers are the only NFC team in the playoffs four straight years, and their win over the Eagles was the sixth win in the postseason during that span. So you look at four straight years, six playoff wins, uh, in, 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 in that span, yeah. So, so you look at that uh, Tom Brady post, and then post Tom Brady where they're at, and that total only trails the defending champion uh, Kansas City Chiefs since 2020. Wow! So, uh, if the Saints do that, ain't nobody getting fired. Now, that mean you winning anything? Uh, that, 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 okay, like Tam, uh, Tom Brady, Tampa Bay, they won the Super Bowl, uh, but do you think realistically? That would be an ultimate shock to everyone's uh, how you evaluate pro football. If Baker Mayfield and the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, you'd be shocked. Now, I think uh, you'd be somewhat shocked if Jerry Goff and the Lions win it all, but you'd be more shocked if the Bucs and, Jerry, uh, and, uh, and uh, Baker Mayfield did it. Right. But I'm telling you, if the Saints could do what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have done, for four straight years now, ain't nobody changing. Oh, Abear, it's all about winning uh, Super Bowls. I, I agree with that, but it's hard. It's hard. Look at the parity in the league. There's so many teams that are middle of the pack. Not everyone's like come August, hmm. uh, like the Ravens or the 49ers. Steve, Mike, to tell you, I'll tell you this. I think I might have told you. I made it, Charlie. We did this show uh, late August or uh, late uh, July, early August. I said, who I'm picking right now uh, to be in the Super Bowl, the Ravens and 49ers. Now, I, I, I don't know. Hope you placed I, that bet. No, I didn't. <laughs> uh, but, but I was just talking because what I think, um, I maybe should have put a little coin on right. that. But, but I'll look at the Chiefs. The one thing, the only thing that does not make me feel good about the Ravens, very similar to Tom Brady. Why are you betting against Patrick Mahomes? It's like you're betting against Tom Brady. I think I said this last night at the Silver Slipper. Do you know, like, uh, Charlie, you can check this out. Pat Mahomes, when he's underdog and covering the spread in the postseason, he's like 8-1. and one. So isn't he underdog to the Ravens? Three and a half? So... so now, the Ravens might win, but does uh, Pat Mahomes cover? Right. I'm like, uh, all of a sudden, I'm just going with the Ravens because <laughs> uh, that's who I picked. But it's like that spread. All I know, it's like you bet against Tom Brady, you bet against Pat Mahomes, you're crazy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So what are you doing? So that, that, that's why I don't think when I look at those teams and I look at the 49ers, uh, no, no, the Lions, if we don't get off to such a sorry start and losing 21 nothing, we can. I think we can hang with the Lions. For sure. But as far as 
To say we can hang with like the 49ers and the Ravens, I'd say no, but hell no. That being the Saints. We'll see even Brock Purdy's come down to earth some. Yeah, but the ball was wet. (laughs) And I heard the weather. Okay, this is another thing. Uh, he got little hands. He got oh, he got right. big, 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 long fingers or big hands and all that. I uh, heard the weather in San Francisco is going to be like sixty-seven and no rain. Ideal conditions. Uh, I'm telling you, Brock Purdy's going to get off. Did you notice the one play when he takes the? I think it was a shotgun snap, and he puts it in his left hand and he's wiping his hand and then he throws right. it. I'm telling you, I've thrown a wet ball. It's a lot different than throwing uh, in a dome. Or a controlled environment, a wet ball. Oh, he sucks. He can't throw. Uh, no, it, it's hard to do and to be accurate. So, uh, listen, that last drive with Brock Purdy did, uh, you're crazy if you bet against Brock Purdy. That's my opinion. We'll be back after the break, closing things out here in the 6 o'clock hour on WWL. Closing things out here in the 6 o'clock hour of Sports Talk. Charlie Long, you got some interesting stats there on Pat Mahomes you want to share. The ESPN's Jeff Darlington, guys. Patrick Mahomes is now 8-3 and three in his career as an underdog. We're going to do pick six in the next hour. That's pretty right. interesting. And then his postseason record is 13-3. and three. Against quarterbacks not named Tom Brady, he lost in the AFC Championship to Brady, and then in the Super Bowl to Brady, Patrick Mahomes is 13-1 in the postseason. Well, the only uh, other loss coming to Joe Burrow in last year's AFC Championship uh, game. No, the, the, that's what scare me, uh, scares me. Uh, look, I'm a Lamar Jackson fan, but again, do you go against Pat Mahomes? I mean, and you get three and a half points. Right. So, I mean... We'll be talking more about the NFL championship round coming up in the next hour. Also, take your calls on the Saints. Plus, obviously, Pelicans taking on the Utah Jazz, 7 o'clock. Also, get into some Wimbledon Australian Open tennis talk right here on WWL after this.